0: Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse podcast. This is episode number three hundred and sixty-nine. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Reichstraw. Hey, Kevin.
1: All right. How you doing? Fine. I guess. Sure.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm doing. <laughs> I'm doing I'm okay. i don't still mad to answer that question. I know. It's, it's. It's. I'm just gonna stop asking it because <laughs> none of Please. us. Are, none of us. I mean, we're, we can all say we're fine, but we're really just like barely hanging
1: on. No. Yeah. It's just. It's a <laughs> weird, weird time. We're all
0: just screaming into the void.
1: I'm ju- <laughs> yeah, I'm just existing. I'm alive. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: This week on the show, we'll be taking a look at Spike Lee's Defive Bloods. We'll also be going over some watching on the watch list. New releases on VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be super helpful. Uh, I don't really have any housekeeping bits this week. We're still trying to work out the Ryan watches a movie schedule. So we'll we'll report back on that as soon as we... Have it figured out, but I think we can just uh, dive right into our review. As I said, we're talking about The Five Bloods. This came out on Netflix on Friday, so it is available right now if you have Netflix. Directed by Spike Lee. I have a synopsis here. Four African-American vets battle the forces of man and nature when they return to Vietnam seeking the remains of their fallen squad leader and the gold fortune he helped them hide Kevin, we'll kick it off with you. What were your initial impressions of *Defy
1: Bloods*? Uh, initial impressions is this is surprising in a lot of ways. This one, you know, there's a lot of developments in this movie that I did not foresee. They were, you know, pretty surprising. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, uh, so I never quite like settled in. You know, like it always kept you on your toes, which which was good in a way. Cause I did, I really had no idea what to expect at any moment, you know, because this is a movie that has, it's at times very lighthearted. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of comedy mixed in there. You've got to, you know, all the, all the political facets to it and like the history lesson type deals. And then it's also really bloody and there's a surprising uh, body count, which I was not. Yeah. Like I was expecting in the flashback sequences that you know that take place in Vietnam during the Vietnam War, okay, yes, I was fully expecting body count there. But I wasn't expecting a body count in the present day and definitely not as high as it was.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um it is so funny as I was watching this I was thinking about Spike Lee's directing style and just the really drastic tonal shifts that this movie takes as you said it begins very lighthearted very fun they're cracking jokes you know these are these are a bunch of guys who went through the shit together and they have this really sort of unshakable bond and they're reuniting after a very long time and in the place where they had so many memories it, they seem like brothers and they're just you know giving each other shit and making fun of each other and It's all very light, very fun. And then, as you said, there's these, like... It pulls a 180 and it gets really serious and really violent. And um, I think that a lot of other filmmakers wouldn't be able to pull off tonal shifts that are that drastic and have it work. But then I was thinking about, like... Spike Lee does this a lot. Like, he always... He will frequently... Do things in his movies that most directors just can't pull off, like cert like certain things, like when he breaks the fourth wall and and um all these other these like stylistic choices that he makes that I think if if pretty much any other director tried it, you would just be rolling your eyes and be like, uh, oh, what is going on here? This just doesn't work. I already
1: got you off, but the interesting thing because I wanted to jump on that, you know, the fourth wall break where Delroy Lindo's character does his his monologue, you know, you've seen that in so many Spike Lee movies that it's almost to the point now that when you watch Spike Lee movie, you're essentially waiting for that, like, that sequence to happen. And I have a feeling that you would uh, actually be, like, slightly disappointed if there wasn't a fourth-wall break monologue somewhere within the runtime. You would would feel cheated, almost.
0: That and the... I guess it's a... uh, And I apologize for... Probably not getting the technical term correct, but like the dolly shots that he does.
1: Yeah, uh, he always does it where they're <laughs> like floating towards you. Yeah, I,
0: I get I think that would just be a dolly shot. I don't know if there's like a specific term for that type of shot, but at any rate, he always incorporates that. And I, anytime that shows up in a Spike Lee movie, it just it gets me every time. I'm just like, <laughs> yes, <laughs>
1: yes. I don't. I love it too because it's such a simple thing. Like you know that they're just like sitting on a little platform and it's just being like rolled. But you're still like, oh, magic. Love it. Yeah, I mean, he just, he
0: knows how to employ it. It's like when, it's like in a Wes Anderson movie when he does the the slow motion w- over the whatever song he chooses. And like, whenever that shows up, I'm just like, yes! Yes! I'm like the Nintendo 64 kid when that happens. <laughs> Getting back to Delroy Lindo, and just the performances of everyone in this movie. I thought that uh, Delroy Lindo just absolutely crushed this movie. His role, uh, certainly the meatiest of, of the characters, even though it was an ensemble piece, I think that Delroy Lindo's character was the most complex out of all of them. And he was just so fucking good in this. I mean... Yeah, He was just incredible. And I, I could say the same about Jonathan majors, who we last talked about uh, in the last black man, San Francisco, he plays David, who is uh, Delroy Lindo's character's son in this. And he, he's just so good in this too. I mean, everybody, everybody did an incredible job, but I think those two, at least for me were, were certainly standouts uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. of course um,
1: was incredible as well.
0: Everybody was yeah. though.
1: Yeah, Clark Peters. But mm-hmm. you're right. Del- I mean, Delroy Lindo. Like this is this is his movie. Mm-hmm. He definitely has his characters far more complex than everyone else. He has a lot more to do because he's he's dealing with you know a lot a lot more what the other characters are dealing with. And uh he definitely carries it. I think his his performance really, really helps because also to get back to kind of criticizing this movie to a certain extent, is it's also for me uh really messy. Like there's a lot going on in this movie. When it when it's working, when everything's like, you know, everything's working, engine's running, it's humming. It's fantastic. But then there's some choices here that just mm do not work for me at all. And uh it was it was a bit much. Because mm-hmm. it was kinda you just like you're getting thrown around.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like you know, you would you kinda get into this little bit of a groove. Because I would say anytime it's with the bloods and what they're doing, what their mission is, and even incorporating the flashbacks into that, because I love the stylistic choice of the flashbacks
0: how
1: mm-hmm. oh, it's kind of shot like an old-timey movie and it's really dramatic and just over the top like everything with the five bloods i mean just really really worked for me and some of the other stuff a lot of the ancillary characters that get kind of introduced just it it was it was rough in some spots
0: i i completely agree with you on that it's uh, it is a war epic. You know, it's two hours and thirty-five minutes long. It's not, it's not a very light movie. It's not a breezy movie. I, 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 I didn't mind the runtime. I, I thought that it didn't feel bloated necessarily, but I also agree with you. Like uh, all the stuff with the the landmine um, crew mm-hmm. and and all of that, yeah. like it felt that it felt a little underdeveloped, like. You know, you have somebody like Paul Walter Hauser in here who I think is a really promising up-and-coming talent and I was ex- kind of expecting more from his character and he just doesn't really have much to work with at all. He 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 plays such a tertiary character in this. I was a little disappointed with that. So maybe I could have either just done without that or h- had some more development because at the end of the day, I'm I'm just not entirely sure like what... Why their presence was even necessary in this,
1: yeah, and just the the character of Heidi or Hedy just no, it was such a poorly written character, yeah,
0: I mean, they tried to he, there was it's just so bad it was almost like uh they were trying to shoehorn in a love story into it, which I know <laughs> why
1: that that
0: didn't work
1: at all and, it, I mean... the, and the worst part is is it like right off the bat it just announces like just a huge flashing red sign of like this character is just terribly written when like John the major is like kind of introduces you know they just first started talking at the bar or whatever and he's like oh who are those two guys and then she's like oh that's simon and that's Sepo, and sometimes i have sex with them and it's just like oh jesus christ
0: <laughs> yeah I... it's just gonna be <laughs>
1: it's gonna be bad <laughs>
0: Yeah, I could have, I could have done with that without all that. But I mean, that really wasn't enough to bring it down too much for me. Getting back to the scenes that they, the flashback sequences, uh, I, I agree with you that the, I thought that the stylistic choices for that, for those, were really good. I believe that those were shot on 16 millimeter and they, he changed the aspect ratio for those. It was like a Mm -hmm. one three, three to one aspect ratio. So they shrunk it down and it looked really good. I mean, it, it sort of worked seamlessly with the actual footage from Vietnam that he included. If you remember, he did that a lot in, he did it in black Klansman too, where he incorporated real footage into the movie and he does that periodically throughout this movie he starts the movie with it and then he sort of injects it throughout which um, I, I thought also worked for the most part but it's it's I don't know if we needed to see everything that he included in it to, to understand and to appreciate and, and fully grasp the atrocities of war like
1: no and it, it kind of comes back to i had that issue with black Klansmen of him adding the, the charlotte's bill at the end mm-hmm. and here he does it with you know some of the footage from vietnam and it just it seems like just a, a very lazy provocation like he's good enough at doing it within his own films, like creating a scenario that causes provocation. He's good enough at that. I don't know why he takes these like cheap, cheap ways out.
0: Yeah, it is. It's a, it is a little strange and like to, to show that stuff. Um, while I do think it is important that we do bear witness to atrocities like that, it's like, I just don't know if we need it in this specific context and in this specific movie especially because sometimes it catches you off guard like there there are several times where he'll just like flash to something and you're just not prepared for it and i mean maybe that was the intention but it's just it's really rough i mean i don't want to see like dead children and stuff like that and at least if i am in if I am looking for something like that in an educational in an educational way, I want to be like prepared. I want to be able to prepare myself to bear witness to something like that.
1: Yeah, and sit down like and watch, you know, like a, a documentary on the Vietnam War.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, like although I could have done without some some of that imagery, uh, it still didn't bring the movie down a whole lot for me. I still think that it was tremendously entertaining. I think it was well written <laughs> and I think that there were a lot of really strong sequences in it. Um I did find the the violence in it surprising and jarring, but but also um you know, the action scenes were pretty entertaining too. It wasn't something that I was fully prepared for.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would, I'd definitely. And it it is kind of interesting and funny because they do kind of point out at the beginning of uh, where they're all kind of um, talking about like Rambo movies. And then at a certain point, it kind of becomes a Rambo movie,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: which I was I didn't know. I like I had no idea that that, that that's where this movie was going to go.
0: Yeah. And uh... it kind
1: of caught me off guard, <laughs> it kind of caught me off guard where it's just like, wait a second. The fuck am i watching
0: yeah it, it it was yeah it was definitely a surprise but it was a welcome surprise i i did i did enjoy it i thought that i mean yeah i thought the action was was pretty pretty good
1: overall it, yeah it was, and i mean get back to the, some of the other stuff you know where you said it didn't really you know knock it down for you too much i mean it it didn't for me either to a certain extent, but at the same time, it's one of those things that just feels like a missed opportunity because what you have here, like the good parts of it, right, it's just like something really, really, really good. And then you have these kind of unnecessary appendages to it you just feel like if they weren't there, if I didn't have to deal with this shoehorned in love thing which I don't even know if that was the intent of it because it just kind of dropped off out of nowhere but then it kind of cropped up a little bit at the end and then just disappeared again so I'm still just really kind of confused as to what that all all that, all that was the whole trajectory of that part of the, the timeline I'm just really confused
0: I think that everything else works on its own merits you have um there's a lot of conversations a lot of history being taught to you in this um that's something that that Spike Lee does in a lot of his movies that i think again is something that i don't think any and just any filmmaker could pull off by injecting these like history lessons into just basic dialogue between characters uh i think that in in most instances a conversation like that would feel really forced and unnatural and sort of uh, uh, like, I don't know, I don't know. Um, just fake. And for some reason, the way that Spike Lee does it, it just, it all really works. I mean, I, I watched Bamboozled for the first time, not, not too long ago when it came out on, on Criterion. And he does that a lot in Bamboozled and it just, it works so tremendously well where you're watching a fictional movie, but you're getting so much more out of it than just like the simple entertainment. Yeah. And also like what a time to release this movie. I mean, I know that this was planned for a while, but Holy cow. I mean, could it have come out at a, at a more important time? Jeez.
1: Oh yeah. 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 And just to get back to you know, just a comment on the, Kind of like the little the history bits, and then the you know the quick cutting in of like the the footage of whether it be you know the president or like the 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 guy that was standing behind mm-hmm. president at the rally and stuff. Like I don't know, like you said, I don't think it would work it really in any other movie. Uh, I don't know if it a hundred percent works in Spike Lee movies, but i feel like it does <laughs> like I, I just like i don't mind it yeah and there's just I, I don't know there's just something about like there's like an energy to it but mm-hmm. at the same time i do there is a part of me that realizes like this is really fucking corny but i'm kind of into it I don't. Know. it's just one of those things where you're like i this is, pretty sure this is corny but you know what i like it i'm just i mean i'm just gonna like it
0: <laughs> that, yeah that's kind of how i feel about it i mean the that that specific scene where they they single out the the one black guy that was at the Trump rally and they have the giant arrow, the blinking arrow pointing to him, like I don't know, I, I've I've seen online several people criticizing that that moment in the movie, and I can totally understand yeah, why why I mean. that might be in poor taste to do something like that, but at the same time, uh, it felt within within the context of the scene when that happened they were giving Delroy Lindo's character shit for being a Trump supporter and they were saying that he was that guy and it was it all felt very satirical and it for me it was just kind of just funny
1: yeah well and i think that's the that's the you know the goodwill that Spike Lee has with us just in terms of you know all the experience that he has, all the movies that he made. Cause honestly, if it, if it was any other director, you, you would just be like, what the fuck? This is fucking corny as hell. What the hell are you doing?
0: Yes. A hundred percent. I mean, if, if any other filmmaker did something <laughs> like that, I would just like Adam McKay, for instance, like if Adam McKay did <laughs> yeah. something like that, he does do stuff like that and he gets criticized far more. And I'm not, yeah, I'm not exactly. Because
1: I'm not good at
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's just what it is. Like, I think that's that Spike Lee just he plays by his own rules and what works for him just doesn't necessarily work for most other directors, because I think that I think that more than anything, it's just it's the sum of the parts. Like, it's it's the whole package when you take something like that, like this kind of non sequitur and you put it within the context of this overarching war epic it just it works it just it fits together
1: yeah or it doesn't but it uh, you you know or it doesn't because like you said there's people criticizing it and again i can 100 percent understand it like if you were to criticize i'd be like yeah no i totally see what you're saying but i don't it works for me sorry <clears throat> yeah it's just one of those things where it's just like yeah i know this is probably not good but i like it so sorry <laughs>
0: Uh, it's, it's funny because like, I mean, I've, I've always liked Spike Lee films, but in, in recent years, uh, revisiting some of them and, and watching some of his older movies for the f- first time, uh, I've just grown to appreciate and like his work just more and more and more. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited that this, this movie came out. I'm excited that Netflix gave him sort of carte blanche to make this big epic war movie. And uh, I think that it's also great that it's on Netflix and accessible for everyone. And also just because we've gone months and months without any kind of like real substantial movies. Like to me, this feels like a big, a big important movie. And I just feel like it's been so long since we've had anything that's been on this level. I just I think that makes me appreciate it even more.
1: Yeah, I can see that.
0: So that's the five bloods. Let's give it a score. What are you thinking out of ten on this one?
1: I'm thinking like a like a seven. Right. I'm gonna go with a seven. Yeah, I'm
0: sitting I'm sitting around a uh, like a seven, seven and a half on this one. Certainly worth a look. Don't let the runtime. Oh, yeah don't let the runtime uh, scare you away either. I felt like the, the runtime was, it, it it didn't hinder it in any way. Like I I wasn't really feeling the runtime on this one. No. It, it all, it goes no. by pretty quickly. And no, it, I mean, there's a if lot anything, to come.
1: Yeah. There's a lot going on in this, movie, which is another thing. Like how many different genres is this movie? Oh, it's a lot. You got the, like it starts off as like, the you know the kind of like the elderly men are going on a trip. They're doing their last hurrah type deal, you know, where it's very lighthearted comedy. These old guys, you know. And then you got like the flashback. You got the whole war movie thing going on, and then it becomes a Rambo movie. It's got the father-son stuff. It's got. I mean, it's got. It's almost like every type of yeah. Movie. There, there's
0: a, there's almost a heist aspect of it too with the gold. Yeah and and then like the the landmine scene and just all all of that stuff so yeah there's there's a lot you know what it actually reminded me of i was i was thinking about this movie as i was watching this was dead presidents remember dead presidents oh i need to rewatch that one. Uh, same here i need to revisit that
1: fucking movie when i was a kid
0: i yeah i loved dead presidents when i was younger and that's that's another movie that it it is a war epic. It takes place in Vietnam, but that is a movie that also encompasses a lot of other genres, um, especially when, you know, when you look at dead presidents, I mean, a whole a huge chunk of it takes place in the war. But an equal amount is there's the heist at the end, which is a very big set piece. And then there's all of the stuff. Like before and after the war in the, like the neighborhoods, you know, the neighborhood drama that happens in that movie too. So when I look at how Dead Presidents is structured, I feel like it it is in a lot of ways similar to Defy Bloods. It's also, um, you know, one of the few movies that, that depicts the African-American presence in Vietnam. Yeah. Check out Defy Bloods and then check out Dead Presidents if you haven't seen that.
1: Oh, God. I want to. I want to see Dead presence right now.
0: <laughs> I know. I was thinking about it like all day yesterday. I'm like, I got to see how that's available to watch because if I remember correctly, yeah. that's a very long
1: movie too. But apparently, all I'm seeing is you can rent it for 2.99. Yeah, Amazon. That's worth it. Yeah, I mean that's not. Uh, apparently, there's a place that you can stream it called Hoopla. I don't know what the fuck Hoopla is.
0: Yeah, probably just stick with Amazon (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on and talk about Someone We're Watching I think it's my turn this week Uh, I'll kick it off with uh, Another release That that came out this weekend uh, The King of Staten Island This is directed by Judd Apatow This is the one that we had uh, mentioned last week It's the One that's uh, sort of inspired by the life of Pete Davidson. It stars Pete Davidson uh, from SNL and uh, loosely based around his, his life in, in Staten Island. And um, you know, if you've seen a Judd Apatow movie, you've seen this movie. It's pretty much exactly what you would expect a Judd Apatow film to be. It is, I would not classify it as a comedy. It's more of a, it's a, more of a dramatic comedy. So there's a lot of serious moments in there, but it is tremendously funny. Like there are there are a few times where I was just laughing out loud, just chuckling it up. So there, there are a number of really funny moments in it, but overall it's, it's kind of depressing. Uh, Pete Davidson does a really good job, but he's just playing himself, you know? So I think the jury's still out on Pete Davidson. I, I, I think I need to see him in some other roles to really make a determination. Cause he just, I've the, the, the two movies that he's in, he just basically plays himself. So can't really say much about that.
1: I'm pretty sure that's all he can do. I don't think he can do it. Yeah. I'm
0: just now. not, yeah. I'm not sure what his range is, but you know what? It's, 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 he's really funny. So, I mean, it, it works, works for him. Uh, Marissa Tomei is in it. She plays his mom. She's, she's great. Bill Burr's in it, plays the, this guy who starts dating his mom. And, uh, if you're not familiar with, with the backstory of Pete Davidson, his father was a firefighter and actually killed in nine 11. So he has a lot of, you know, mental health struggles, uh, partially as a result of that. And, uh, Bill Burr's pretty great in it too. Uh, Steve Buscemi's in it. He plays a firefighter. Stevie Sammy was a firefighter.
1: Stevie Sammy was a firefighter. I think so. That is something that he did I'm, with his time on earth. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's says former firefighter.
0: It's a little long. It's like 137 minutes, which is also pretty typical of, of Judd Apatow movies. It's about a guy who's, you know, a man child, much like every other Judd Apatow movie. So, it, you know, it, it, it checks all the boxes. Checks all those appetite boxes, including the ones that uh, make it a pretty good movie. So I would give it a light recommend. That's The King of Staten Island. Not for you, Kevin. That's it's definitely not. Are you sure? I, I do not think it is a Kevin Raekstraw movie. <laughs> it is definitely not a Kevin Raekstraw movie. I will also mention that the, the score is quite good in this one. And apparently okay. the cinema, it's the same cinematographer that did There Will Be Blood. Although I did not notice any kind of like notable cinematography in it,
1: <laughs> you notice any shots. And you're like, you no, know this reminds me of yeah. There will be blood. <laughs> it's got kind of real there will be blood flap so going. Visually speaking, you
0: know? yeah, did did not uh, notice any kind of outstanding cinematography oh. by Robert Elswit. The the wow. mute the score is done by Michael Andrews, and he he's done like a ton of movies. Over the years. He does he's done a lot of comedies, but he also did like Donnie Darko and stuff like that. And it's
1: just it's a good score. It's always interesting when they you know, they get big time cinematographers like that to shoot a really like just visually boring. just pretty standard movie. It's just like why you could have gotten anyone to do that, I think. Yeah, this is I would have saved a ton of money.
0: This is the guy who did Good Night and Good Luck, Nightcrawler, Punch Drunk Love, I mean Velvet Buzzsaw. These these are all, like, inherent vice. These are all, like, really, really
1: visual movies, but. How about that? Well, you know how I said, like, that movie's probably not for me. Movie, movies aren't for me. I didn't watch anything else. All <laughs> I watched was The Five Bloods. That's it. That's all I got. All right. I didn't watch shit. Uh, well, I didn't even watch TV. I
0: had, a, I had a relatively light week as well. I sort of just crammed everything in towards the end of the week. Um, I saw Warning Do Not Play. This is a movie that came out on Shudder this weekend. It is a, Korean, a South Korean horror film about a, a director who is str- struggling to find her next project. And she hears about this like sort of urban legend involving a, a film that was accepted into this film festival and apparently the film was shot by a ghost. So the, so the, the movie is just about her investigating this film and trying to figure out like what the story is behind it. And she's trying to get a copy of it. And you know, it, it has a bit of a ring vibe. There is, there is sort of an unmistakable ring vibe the the ghost the villain if you will is it's someone who was who was wronged and is getting revenge on on the living in this case it was an actress who was burned in a fire burned to death in a fire in this like abandoned theater that that they were shooting a movie in and you know it's uh it's not great there's some creepy moments for sure uh but it didn't really amount to much and it felt very dated. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, you know, after the ring came out and there were like a million clones, it felt like this should have been one of those. So I don't know. The the thing that bothers me about like movies like this, there's, there's a couple things. One thing is that they, that they constantly give you flashbacks of things that you just saw. Like they're assuming that the audience is so dumb that, you know, when there's a revelation that we're not going to remember some clue that was given to them like five minutes ago. So they have to do this quick flashback to when she saw this like symbol or whatever, or this one person said something. And, and to me, it's just like frustrating. And then secondly, in all of these movies where someone, and it, it doesn't, it's not just Asian movies that, that do this. American movies do this too. Whenever there's a person a protagonist who is investigating something like a mysterious death or whatever. There's always like one crazy person who gives them some kind of cryptic warning Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. that only, only increases the intrigue and curiosity of the person doing the investigation to make them dig deeper into it. So in this case, the, the, the director of the original film that was submitted uh he he finds her and he's like, Like, don't don't pursue this. This is dangerous. You're gonna get hurt. Like, don't do it. It's crazy. And it's like, maybe she wouldn't like Do you not realize that by doing that it's just gonna make them wanna dig deeper into this? Like, why yeah. don't why don't you just say, like, look, here's what happened. I directed mm-hmm. this movie, a ghost took over, killed the entire crew. Almost killed me. I went insane and now I'm an alcoholic because of this. Like maybe she wouldn't pursue it if you gave her the proper warning rather than just this cryptic like don't do it. They're going to get you know, it's so stupid.
1: Yeah. But think of how many movies rely on that like the cryptic like yeah so many movies rely on and not just the horror movies you know thrillers where people won't just come out straight and Mm -hmm. just say like oh by the way yep uh that's a really dangerous situation that i was just in stay out of it yeah it's just (laughs) any normal person in real life would just okay yeah i ain't getting into that Yeah. yeah i don't know
0: it's uh it was just frustrating so i can't really recommend that movie if you have shutter i mean it's on there uh the other the the last one that i'll mention this is one that i've been meaning to watch for like years and i've just i missed the boat on it but uh it's a it's a found footage horror movie called as above so below and i did you see this movie this came out in
1: 2014 it sounds really familiar no no but my wife did watch this movie okay i remember her watching it I, I, i didn't
0: yeah, I kind of sworn that we had like maybe maybe just a short conversation about this. Like maybe you were talking about you were going to watch it or something. But at any rate, I finally watched this last night. The reason that I didn't watch this back when it came out in 2014 is during this time, I was so done with the found footage genre mm-hmm. or style rather. I just didn't. I had no interest in it. I was like, no, 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 not another one of these. Like I am so done with these found footage movies that I just had no interest. But over the years, I heard people sort of talking about this and it sort of remained in the conversation. It wasn't completely forgotten. And I always kind of thought, oh, yeah, you know what? I should I should revisit this. And I was looking for a horror movie to watch last night and I was like, you know what? Let's just do this. It is, it's on Netflix. So I, I gave it a look. And you know what? I really enjoyed this movie. It does fall for all of the standard found footage tropes where you're left wondering like, how did they get that footage when they left the camera that was recording it down in the catacombs and all of that stuff. So there's like, obviously it's, it breaks all of the logic rules like so many of these movies do. However, this story, it was just really interesting in this one. Like I was really intrigued as to where this was going the whole time, it was almost like this, um, like Da Vinci code style movie where they're like going into museums and getting clues from artifacts and then trying to find maps and solve riddles and shit like that down in the, uh, in the Paris catacombs, which I think, you know, the catacombs in Paris are inherently kind of fascinating on their own. And the fact that this whole movie, for the most part, takes place down there. And and there's some genuinely creepy stuff that happens too. So I I actually enjoyed myself. It's dumb. It's very dumb. But it's I had a pretty good time with it. Hmm. If you're looking for a pretty fun found footage movie, I would say check out as above so below. There's some actually pretty decent effects in this too. There's some I, I was kind of expecting it to be like a more of like a paranormal activity player, which thing where the effects are really sort of not present and it's more psychological and you know, they use camera glitches and stuff to cover up the lack of budget, but there's yeah. actually some effects work in this. Yeah. So again, very dumb to be clear, <laughs> to be clear. It is exactly. dumb.
1: Exactly.
0: We're not, we're not like, yeah. we're not looking at, this isn't national treasure. Okay. We're not talking national treasure style puzzles here Uh that need to be deciphered these Uh are really basic things but fun nonetheless all right let's take a look at what we have on VOD this week on the 16th we have the short history of the long road we have my father the spy we have the luring which is a horror movie we got vampire dad look out oh yeah You (laughs) uh, you should check out the poster for vampire dad
1: it reminds me of um Bojack's Birthday Dad.
0: <laughs> it reminds me yeah. of uh like one of those scholastic books. Oh my god, yes. That's what it reminds me of, like my teacher was an alien or whatever. <laughs> Vampire dad. Pick what that up. Pick it up at the Scholastic Book Fair. Uh we also have well, Tainted. And this is a story about a reformed neo Nazi. No thanks it it's uh it's not a documentary it's it's a it's a narrative We've got seahorse that is a documentary that's about the uh trans man who decides that he wants to have a child and the crazy steps that he has to go through to like undo his transition and all of that stuff we have the marshes this is going to be on I think this is going to be on Shutter. I, think, I believe this is an Australian horror movie. Okay. Looks a little similar to Wolf Creek. You got the Pollinators, that's a documentary about uh bee, beekeeping.
1: Mm, good old beekeeping stuff. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh on the 18th we have Scare Package, that's going to be on Shutter. If you remember I talked about that. Uh, like a week ago or something. Uh, that's that's worth a look. That's a pretty fun horror anthology. This was actually they premiered it at on this week's um, this past week's last drive-in. So mm. and it, it'll be on Shutter proper on the 18th. Some other Paris is going to be on YouTube. That's premiering on YouTube. A Whisker Away, which is going to be on Netflix. It's a Japanese animated film Disclosure is going to be on Netflix that's a documentary we got Baby Teeth Uh, I'm sorry Disclosure and Baby Teeth are going to be on the 19th that's Friday Mm -hmm. Mr. Jones Uh, we got Queen of Lapa which you talked about quite a while ago
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. we have Woman Woman on the Beach that is a virtual theatrical release we have Jack and Yaya uh, that's a documentary about two best friends who were who grew up together, childhood best friends, and it turned out that both of them were were trans, and so one transitioned into a man, the other transitioned into a woman. So, kind of a interesting dynamic there. We have bully, coward, victim: the story of Roy Cohn. It's going to be on HBO. I am vengeance retaliation.
1: Oh
0: man! I am vengeance retaliation. Now, th- I'm looking at this title. Now, I'm wondering if this is some kind of sequel. Is this part of a series? Because it's I am vengeance. I am vengeance, vengeance colon retaliation.
1: Vengeance. vengeance.
0: So I'm wondering if that's part of the I am vengeance series. If there is such yeah, a thing. Yeah,
1: I would. I would imagine there's an I'm Vengeance from 2018.
0: Okay, that must be it. There's
1: also an I'm Vengeance from 2013, but I think that's enough. That's that's its own thing. This is a, a Stu Stu Bennett vehicle, I guess. Um there's an I'm Vengeance from 2016.
0: Is that all? Is I that feel Is that also <laughs> Stu Bennett? Because Stu Bennett is I in the sequel so. here. Revenge yeah, just doubled be... down. Oh shit. So this feature Stu Bennett and Vinnie Jones. Oh, God. He plays, Stu, Stu Bennett plays former Special Forces soldier John Gold. <laughs> <laughs> He's given the opportunity to bring Sean Teague, the man who betrayed his team on their final mission in Eastern Europe several years ago, to justice.
1: Oh, Teague and Gold.
0: Uh, We also have Miss Juneteenth coming out on the 19th, obviously. We got Father, Soldier, Son. That's also on Netflix. We have Star Dog and Turbo Cat. That is an animated film featuring, yeah. featuring the voices of Luke Evans, Nick Frost, Gemma Arterton, Bill Nighy. There you go. Uh, that's about it for VOD. Blu-ray this week. We have... Oh, there's some kind of giant... Columbia Classics box set that is in 4K. This features six movies, including Mister Smith Goes to Washington, Lawrence of Arabia, Doctor Strangelove, Gandhi, A League of Their Own, Jer- and Jerry Maguire. What? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> um, hold up! Hold up! Hold on hold What was I, that yeah. the last one? jerry
0: Maguire, yeah okay Never. a league of their own yeah i don't know what a weird it's just a weird collection hmm. just a really strange collection 910 minutes on that one it's a 17 disc set okay <laughs> do, you I... need, do you need 17 discs for six movies what like yeah well how is it i mean even even only... even if each movie is two discs i mean come on like what what are we working with here why why are there what? so many discs
1: <laughs> what what else is going on
0: i have no idea yeah just what a weird again just a very strange mishmash of movies in that collection uh, okay, we have Braveheart coming out in 4K. Same with Gladiator. We have The Giant Spider Invasion from 1975. That's that's being remastered. It's a remastered edition. Yes. Dark Force Entertainment is putting that out. Never heard of them. Hmm. The Hills Run Red from 2009 coming out on Blu-ray. Looks like uh, Friday the 13th is getting some kind of new new release. A 40th anniversary limited edition, so that might be worth a look. I don't know. Uh, Sukiyaki Western Django from 2007 is coming out on cri- uh, Criterion <laughs> Collector's Edition. <laughs>
1: yeah. If oh, yeah, if only.
0: If uh, only. That that one's uh, that one's worth a look. Oh, a classic Takeshi Miike there. Uh, let's see, Impractical Jokers the movie. Oh God. Okay. The Sailor Who Fell from Grace with the Sea from 1976. This is another, this is a Scorpion releasing title. Nice try.
1: Nice try, Scorpion. I know what you really
0: <laughs> are. Online pharmacy or whatever <laughs> you yeah, what say.
1: Come on.
0: Uh, young Ahmed is coming out. Three Christs from 2017. Sniper, The Assassin's End, starring Tom Berenger.
1: Man, how many snipers is that? A a lot. You know, I don't think think I've
0: I've never seen a single sniper movie. I don't think. I should rectify that this year. I should watch at least the first one.
1: started back in 1993. Yeah. You got Sniper, Sniper 2, Sniper 3, Sniper Reloaded, Sniper Legacy, Sniper. Ghost Shooter. Ghost Shooter. Sniper. sniper Ultimate Kill and Sniper Assassin's End. I'm gonna st- you should start with Sniper Six Ghost Shooter.
0: I think I'll start with the first one, thank you.
1: No, please start with Sniper Six Ghost Shooter.
0: We'll <laughs> see. Uh My Father the Spy is coming out. Deadly Crush from twenty eighteen. Lieutenant Jangles from 2018 is coming out also. And that's about it for, mm, that's pretty much everything. What about Criterion's this week?
1: Uh, Besides Sugiaki, Western Django, we have the cameraman, Buster Keaton. Mm. Buster Keaton, cameraman, uh, which also has, uh, this was the first film that he did for MGM. He signed with MGM and it also has a second feature with mgm a spite marriage that's also on their own restoration with commentary it's got a new score it's got all sorts of stuff new documentaries
0: i just watched another one of those fantastic buster keaton compilations man Good stuff. <laughs> one of a kind uh all right cool I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on your podcast platform of choice. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.